Hi, everybody. So good to see you. Uh, my name is Joel, and uh, I had the privilege of helping to get this thing called New Day started about 150 years ago. And uh, it has been an amazing privilege year after year to gather in this venue and hear night after night people teaching from the Bible to show us something of the majesty and the beauty and the goodness of Jesus and through doing that bring genuine transformation to our lives. In this tent, hundreds and thousands of people's lives have been changed as the Bible has been taught here. And that's going to happen night after night this week. It's one of the main things we do here at this event. I'm so, so excited genuinely to introduce you to uh, the guy who's going to come and bring teaching tonight. He's a friend of ours from King's Church London. And uh, he, he was here last year, but he wasn't here for the whole time because he was actually, he had to leave to go and get married. Uh, got married to Sylvia. When you meet him in a minute, you'll be amazed he managed to persuade someone to marry him. Uh, but he is going to bring some fantastic teaching. Can we give a big welcome to Joe McNamara? <laughs> How we doing? Uh, last time I was here, like Joel said, I was about to get married. I thought everyone loves a wedding photo, so I thought I'd show you. This is me at my wedding last year. So uh, that was me. So um, there we go. Listen, it's good to be back at New Day. Uh, I've got a question for you. I wonder, now we can put it maybe on the, on the wedding photo still, I don't want that up yet. Uh, I wonder if you've ever been to, uh, anyone done Parkrun or heard of something called Parkrun? Anyone heard of that? If you don't know it, can we just get the scripture off of the screen for a second? I don't know if you've ever been to a Parkrun, but basically the idea is this, is you turn up at a park, maybe local to you, and you run around the park as quickly as you can, and they tell you how long it took you to do it, right? I think it's a stupid idea, you won't ever see me doing it, but some people are into it, right, so that's your thing. And uh, I've got a mate actually here in this tent, a good friend of mine, he's a good runner and he loves a park run, he's all over it and a couple of years ago, me and my mates, we got together on a New Year's Eve, a few of us went out to uh, my mates in Essex and we got a curry and had a bit of a celebration and my mate was like, you know what would be a good idea is if on New Year's Day we all start with a park run. I told him it's a stupid idea, I'm not doing it, but he can go and do it. And so he did, he set off to do his park run. And um, he fancies himself as a very good runner, so he thought, you know what, I think I'm going to win. I'm going to go for it and I'm going to win the race. And so he, um, he's about halfway through and he finds himself in second position. So he's doing well and he's like, I've just got to push myself to try and win, and so he kind of, he's squeezing, he's running, and as he does that, to let out a bit of steam, he goes to fart, but what actually happens, he poos himself. <laughs> he's sitting in this tent, by the way, um, one of your youth leaders, I won't tell you who he is, he, he poos himself, right, he's got poo running down his leg, yes, yeah, listen, it's a mess, but he keeps going, he keeps going, and he, uh, he finishes second, one of my mates comes and finds him and he looked a bit sheepish. We thought it's because he ran, you know, come second place because he had pool down his leg. Um, so yeah, you know, running, right, 
can be difficult, especially long-distance runs, and especially if you poo yourself halfway around. Yes? That running ain't easy. And the reason I tell you that is because in the Bible, loads and loads of times, the Bible talks about our lives being like a running race. It talks loads, it says your life, your, your life you're running, the journey you're on, it's like a race. And the Bible kind of compares it to that and says all of us are on this race. And tonight I want to look at two verses from the Bible in the book of Hebrews that basically talk a little bit about this, about what it's like to run in a race called life and all about that. And I believe that as we do that, as we look at this Bible together, as we open it with the Word of God, that we will be inspired and influenced and challenged and changed by the things that we read out of this book. We believe that it is alive and active, that this book, this Bible, is the very Word of God. And so I'm excited to share it with you. I'm excited to look at it with you and excited to see what God does and how He speaks to you through his word this evening. And so I don't know if you're up for that. Um, if you've got a Bible, you can open it to the book of Hebrews. If you don't, it will come up on the screen or nick someone else's Bible or do what you've got to do. From South London, that's how we do it. So Hebrews 12, I'm just going to read the first couple of verses to you. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which cling so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look into Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that we can come here to New Day. Thank you for bringing us here to look at your Bible, to be together, to meet with you. Lord, we just pray that as we look at this book, Lord, it's not some old book, 2,000 years old, irrelevant to us, it is alive. And so we pray, Lord, that as we look at it together, will you just meet with us? Will you speak to us by your Spirit? God, and will, you just, will we just encounter you today? We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we, we see in this verse, really early, this thing. Listen, your life is like a race. It says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. All of us are in a race, right? It's called life. All of us are here, and there are things that go on in our life that is difficult. It is tough. Sometimes, you know, just as much as I do, that life can be tough. There's things that we've got to endure, things we've got to go through, things that can slow us down. And so the author is saying, listen, lay aside the weights and the sins that slow you down. Can you imagine running a race with weights tied around your ankles? It'd be stupid. You wouldn't do it. It would make the race so much harder. And so the author is saying there's things in our life, there's things that are going on that slow us down. And when we want to, if we want to run a race that is pleasing to God, there's things that we need to get rid of, things we need to be gone of. And so I would I want to ask you right at the very start of the week, what, what are the weights that are slowing you down? Like, what are the sins that are just slowing you down? Things you know, like, oh, these things are just slowing me down. What, what are they? You've got to cut them off, get rid of them. That's what it says. 
Now, I, I just want to stop there for a second. I don't know. There's plenty of people in this tent that I don't know, right? And I don't know how you've come to New Day this year, and I don't know what part of your race you're on. I don't know where you're at. I don't know why you're here. You're here, but I don't know why. Maybe you're not a Christian, or maybe you've never been to New Day. Oh, no. Maybe you think this is just all a bit weird. There's people jumping up and down and talking about Jesus. Maybe that's where you're at. You think, I'm not quite sure. I'm still just trying to work it out. I'm trying to suss this bloke out. I don't quite know yet. Maybe you come to New Day and you love it. But the reason that you love it is because it's an opportunity for you to move to girls or maybe to chat to boys. Yeah, you know who you are. Some of you looking at your mate going, that's why you're here. Yeah, I know that. Maybe that's why you're at New Day. Maybe, here we go. No moving to girls or boys during my preach, please. Maybe you're here and you're a Christian and you love New Day, but you think, you know what, Joe, the last year I've just felt so far from God, you wouldn't even know. This last year, there's just been things going on in my life. There's been things that I've been facing. I don't really feel close to God at all. I kind of know who he is, but I don't feel close to him. Maybe you're just not sure. Maybe you've just got loads of things going on in your head. I don't even know where I'm at. I don't even know what's going on. I don't even know what I think. I know my family go to church and my friends do, but I just, I've been doing exams and I've been thinking about where I'm going to go to sixth form or university or school. I just don't even know what I think. Maybe that's you. Or maybe you're here for the football tournament. Don't bother. King's Church London are going to win it. All right? I think we will. Is anyone from King's Church London here? There they are. They're my favourites. I don't know why you're here, but God has brought you here. You are here, right? I don't know why you're here, but you're here. You're sitting in this tent. You're listening to me, and you're here. And I believe quite strongly that for whatever reason you're here, that God is going to interrupt you on your journey this evening, this week, wherever you're at. He's going to stop you right there and meet with you powerfully. And say, I don't care why you're here, but he's here to meet with you. And that's what I believe this evening. And so I would say, run your race. And I just want to say one quick thing about that just before I move on. The Bible talks about run the race. Let me tell you this. Each of you have got your own race to run, right? Each of you have got your own race to run. And that means that God has unique plans and purposes for you as an individual. You cannot try and run somebody else's race. There might be someone in your youth group, they've got it all together, They seem to be all kind of put together. Listen, that doesn't matter. That's not you. But God has unique plans and purposes for your life. You haven't got to try and be someone else. I'm up here. I can't try and be someone else. I can't be Francis Chan. I'm not Chinese heritage. I'm not bald. You know what I mean? I can't be him. It'd be stupid if I got up here to try to be him. I can't try and be Joel or others. You've got to be who you are, who God has made you to be. Run your race. And so I'll say that to you now. That's what you've got to do. Run your race that's set out for you. And so what I want to give you is a bit of advice. You might be sitting there thinking, all right, Joe, you keep saying I've got to run my race. I've got to get rid of the weights and the sin. But how do I do that? It's easier said than done, isn't it? So what do I do? How do I run this race? Well, you know what? The second verse tells us exactly how we do that. And we're going to read it together. The second verse says this. Look into Jesus, the founder 
and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. How do you run your race? How do you live your life? What have you got to do? Have you got to try harder? Have you got to train more? Is it about good nutrition, a good diet? No, you've got to look to Jesus. That's what you've got to do. You want to run a race that is following God, that is pleasing to God. It's not about doing these other things. It's no, all you've got to do is keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. So what it says, who is the founder, that means that Jesus founded it all. Before the world began, Jesus was there. He's the firstborn from among creation. He's the founder and he's the perfecter. The perfecter means this. It means that you, me, everyone else, we're sinners. We've done wrong. We know that. But Jesus, he was perfect. He was spotless. He lived on this earth. He did no wrong. He's the perfecter of the faith. And so we can only run our race if we keep our eyes fixed on him. Trying to run it in any other way is no good. You've got to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus because he did two things that the passage tells us. He did two things. He endured the cross and he despised the shame. And I want to just talk about those two things for a little bit. I'll come back to the bit about the cross. I just want to talk to you a little bit about shame because the author felt the need to say something about shame. So he despised the shame. And so I just want to talk to you a bit about shame. We live in a culture that loves to bring shame. Have you noticed that? Let me ask you a question. How many of you, be honest, I'm not looking for lies here, be honest, if you have ever mocked or laughed at a mate because of his lack of followers or lack of likes on a social media platform? Yeah, I see plenty of hands going up. All right, here's another one for you. Hands up. Again, I need you to be honest. God knows your heart. Be honest. Hands up if you have ever thought about deleting or actually deleted a post because it didn't get as many likes as you were hoping for. That's it, isn't it? Lots of you, clearly. Clearly. Social media, right, we know social media is about shame. It's about how many people like my stuff, If they like me, that validates me as a person. If they don't like it, I've got to delete it because it's embarrassing, it's shameful that people don't like my photo. Maybe it's because of how I look. Maybe it's because of me in the photo. So we have this social media. We're in a society. How weird is it that we live in a society that loves to body shame people? I know what we're going to do. We're going to put a photo up of an individual, maybe a celebrity, and we're going to put a circle around a part of their body that we don't think looks good, and we're going to say, oh, look at that. They've put on weight, or this part of their body's weird, and we're going to shame their body. That's the society we live in. Body shaming, fake news, creating stories about people to drag them down and to bring shame on them. That is our society. It's full of shame. You see, guilt and shame are different things. Guilt is essentially this. It's the feeling that you've done something wrong. Oh, I've done something wrong. I shouldn't have done that. Shame goes beyond that. Shame... It starts to say there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong. I'm not good enough. That's what shame does. There's something wrong with the way I look or the way I speak or the way I behave. That's what shame does. Anyone in year 10? Hands up. If you're in year 10 or going into, going into year 10, I've just left year 10. Hands in the air. Listen, year 10's a great year. Enjoy it. If you just finished year 10, enjoy those GCSEs. 
We've all done it. Some of the old people over there, they did something else. GCSEs, right? I remember being in year 10. When I was in school, in the summer, we used to play a game. Now, I want to say from the outset, I am not condoning this game. I don't want to see you doing it around the campsite. I don't need the health and safety officers in my ear. I just don't need it. But the game is this. One of you will go up behind someone that you know, maybe on the school field, and you crouch down behind him like this. Oh, you know the game. And the other one comes and he pushes him on the chest and he falls over. It's a great game. Don't do it. Please. I don't need the aggro. Don't do it. One time when I was in year 10, I did that game. Me and my mate, me and my mate Ross, my mate Ross crouched down behind someone. I went and pushed him. Do you know what happened? That's why you shouldn't play this game. The guy we pushed up, I was laughing away, got up, walked towards me, punched me straight in the mouth. Learned my lesson. I went down, he caught me good, I hit the deck. It, thankfully, my mate Ross jumped in and punched him and it kind of sorted me out. But that's not the point of the story. He's a good mate, but that's not the story. I got punched and I went flying back. I hit the floor and there's all this commotion. And if you've ever been in school and you've been involved in any sort of thing like that, within literally minutes, the entire school knew. I don't know how that happens. It's like there's people that just go around, oh, did you hear, did you hear? The whole school knew. Joe McNamara got punched in the face. Joe McNamara got banged up. Joe McNamara got there. And I'm just there. Do you know what was funny, right? It wasn't funny at the time. The punch didn't even really hurt that much. I was going to say that, aren't I? I affirmed it. No, the punch didn't even really hurt that much. Do you know what really hurt? The shame and the embarrassment. That's what hurt. That everybody knew and everyone started to think certain things about me and I started to believe them. I had to, listen, I had to go into maths. Listen, maths after lunch is crap whenever you have it, right? <laughs> Let's be honest. Let's be honest. I saw if you're a maths teacher. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. Maths is no good. At, listen, whenever you have maths, it's no good. After lunch is bad enough. After lunch, when you've got to walk in the classroom and the whole classroom is kind of looking at you, asking, oh, what happened? And you just think, I just want the ground to bury me up. And then you have that thing where you're like 10 minutes in the lesson and the head of year comes and knocks on the door and you think, oh, no. Do you know when it's bad? Do you know when it's bad, right? Tell me if you can relate to this. It's bad if they tell you you need to bring your stuff. <laughs> and you're in trouble, right? Then you're in trouble. It's like, you've got to bring your stuff. You think, oh no, I ain't coming back from this. So it's like a walk of shame. You pick up your bag. You kind of mope out of the classroom. And then you're there thinking, why am I getting in trouble? Because I got punched in the face. Oh, teacher's logic. I was a teacher. We're weird. But do you know what it was? I don't know if you've ever been in school in that environment. When you just want the ground to swallow you up. I didn't want to go in the next day. That's what people are going to say and think about me. I didn't want to go in. I don't know if you've ever been in that scenario. Everyone laughing at you. Everyone talking about you, thinking things about you. You don't even want to go in the playground. You don't want to be in that class. You don't want to be in that environment. You don't want to hang out of that group. I don't know if you've ever been in that scenario, but I found myself in that scenario several times at school. You start to believe some of the things they're saying about you. It's difficult. But you see, Jesus, right, walked on this earth too. He didn't do GCSEs. But Jesus did come and he walked on this earth. He had his own race to run 
And he had his own race to endure. Of course he did. And just like you and me, that's what he had to do. And just like you and me, sin, right, came after him. Sin came after him, the weight of sin. But it could never ensnare him. It could never trap him. It could never get him. Jesus was the perfecter, free from sin. And as Jesus was running his race, right, his life, as he was walking his steps, he knew the whole time there was going to be this almighty struggle at the end of it. He knew it the whole time. There was going to be this kind of battle that he was going to have to face at the end. And so he walked his life that way. He knew he was going to have to suffer. He knew it. That he, the king of heaven, God, would leave heaven, come to live on earth in the form of a servant. He came just as a regular servant. That he would do that. And on his road to the end, he knew that he would be nailed to a couple of bits of wood like a common criminal. That's what he knew he was going to do. The most shameful death. He knew that. And I, and I don't know how familiar you are with the story of Jesus dying. That's a cheery one for the first night. I don't know how familiar you are with it, though, about the story, like the steps that Jesus went on his road to death. And I just want to share some of those things with you. And maybe, maybe you might see it in a different way. And so the story of Jesus started off like this. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane with his mates, and one of his close friends has betrayed him, has snaked him for 30 shekels of silver to the Roman soldiers to come and arrest him. It's like the equivalent of a few hundred quid. He's given him over, he's betrayed him. So it starts like that. And then when the Roman soldiers come to him, right, it's all right, he's there with his 11 boys, the the rest of them, they're there. It's like he turns around, they all desert him. They all run away. Can you imagine being in the confrontation? That's all right, I've got my boys with me, you turn around. Oh, they've all ran. Then, right, his best mate, Peter, that's like his closest mate. Jesus told him before he went, he said, listen, Peter, you're going to deny me when the time comes. Peter's giving it the big, no, listen, everyone else might do it, not me. All the others, they might deny you, Jesus, but not me. I'm your rider. I'm going to be with you. I'm your boy. What happens? Little girls come up to Peter and say, did you know Jesus? No, no, I didn't know him. Denied him, his best mate. Pretended he didn't even know who he was. So it starts off with that. He's betrayed by all his mates. Then they put him in front of a crowd, right? A big mob. And they put him in front of this crowd. And you know what it says? It says that when he's in front of that, they jeered at him. They slapped him. They spat at him. They laughed at him. They shoved him down onto his knees. And then they take a crown of thorns and they shove it on his head. Blood dripping down his face. You and I read that and we think, oh, that must have been painful. That must have hurt. Do you know what it was really about? They was mocking him, saying, you think you're a king? Then have a crown. Here you go, King Jesus. Have a crown. We'll put it on your head for you. Crown of thorns. The ridicule. They're mocking him. And then they take a robe, a purple robe. That's the color of royalty, of kings. And they throw that on his back. It's really been whipped and beaten and slapped. They say, here you are, king. Have a king's robe while they're laughing at him and jeering at him. The writers that tell us about this, they don't just focus on the pain. Of course, the whole thing is painful. But they're trying to focus in on the shame that Jesus would have felt in those moments. The shame of going through. He had his beard pulled out of his face. The creator of heaven, the one who created men, having men grab and pull his hair out of his face. Get that through your head. 
pulling it out, laughing at them as they do it. Maybe slapping him as they do it. And as they did all of this, they insulted him. Prophesy, they said. They'd punch him in the face and go, tell us who did it if you're a God. They said, how? King of the Jews. Laughing at him. Slapping him. Save yourself. They said to him. A big crowd around him. Doing that. They make him carry his own cross. The thing they're going to kill him on is, yeah, you carry it. The whole story of Jesus dying, can't you see? It's about the shame and the humiliation that he faces, that he takes on. It's what it's about. The group of people just around him, laughing and jeering and spitting and mocking him. I want you to imagine this. Imagine being in the center of your playground at school. You've all got one, and there's a kid in the middle of it, and the whole school is around him. And they're picking him up, and they're kicking him, and they're slapping him, and they're punching him, and they're pulling him by the hair. They take his rucksack, they empty his books out, they rip his clothes off. Everyone's laughing at him, jeering at him. He's just in there, in the middle, helpless, defenseless, and you're just there looking on, thinking it should be me. But Jesus, King Jesus, never says a word. Doesn't defend himself. He literally just takes it all. He could have stopped it in a second. Do you know that? He could have any second, he could have just stopped it. He said even before, if I want to stop this, I can just call legions of angel armies. Just to stop it, but he doesn't. He just absorbs it and takes it on. He ends up going through the cross and then he hangs there naked. I believe the artwork that you've seen in your RE classes with a nice tunic around him wasn't how it happened. The Bible says they divided, they divided his clothes up, his garments. They, they gambled from, they played dice. So he, he hangs there naked on the cross. What would you want to do if suddenly you were naked? You're going to cover yourself. Try covering yourself when your hands are pierced to two pieces of wood. He hangs there naked while they continue to laugh at him and mock him. Jesus despised it. He hated it. He loathed it. He scorned it. This is what it means. When Jesus despised the shame, it means this is what he says to shame. He says, shame, you see you? You think you can beat me, shame? Compared to the joy I see, you're nothing. You've got nothing. You think you've got power? You've got nothing. I've got joy in knowing what I'm about to do in defeating sin and death. You've got nothing on me. And those of you who, and those of those who trust me, they're never going to know you either, Shane. They're never going to know you because I'm absorbing it all. I'm dealing with it. I'm taking it all to myself. Shane, you're done. You're finished. That's what he does. As well as the guilt, right, for all the things we do, the shame that we deserve, that we should feel when we stand before God, the shame we should feel for all of our mess, all the things that we carry, all the things we have done and will do, Jesus just takes it all. That's the gospel. That's what it is. Maybe uh, an illustration that maybe will help, maybe this will help you just to kind of visualize it. I've got here a lovely gown. 
It's not my dressing gown. I want you to imagine this gown is you. So I want you, I want you to imagine this is, this is you and this is your life, right, this gown. And I want you to imagine, okay, spotless and clean and pure. And we're going to start putting some of the things, some of our shame on it. Maybe those times you were bullied. Maybe all those lies that you've been covering and hiding. Maybe that pornography that you've been watching in secret that no one else knows about. Maybe the times that you've been actually bullying others. Maybe that feeling that you're just never, ever going to be good enough. The shame that you feel because you're insecure about the way that you look. There's parts of your body that you wish were different. Maybe for you, maybe it's that feeling that nobody loves me or cares about me or knows me or understands me. Maybe you've got scars on your body. Maybe you've been harming yourself and you feel shameful about that. Maybe that's it. Maybe for you, who knows, maybe you've got dark secrets, things no one knows. There's faults that you just carry around with you and there's just shame and guilt and mess and rubbish and you find yourself living this life where you're just covered in this rubbish and this mess and this dirt. And this is the shame that you carry around and you come to events like this and in the back of your mind, this is the things that are going on in your head. You say, Joe, this is my shame and my guilt. This is a mess. Look at the state of it. Some of you are wearing this. I wouldn't want to wear it. Certainly not. Some of you carry it around. So what you do, you kind of think, you go from day to day and you wear it. Maybe there's things I've not even mentioned. Maybe for some of you, you think, you know what? Why has my parents never loved me the way I thought they should? Why has my father abandoned me? Why have I never met him? Is it because of me? Is it because I'm not good enough? Maybe it is. That's what you feel like. And so you're left with this cloak. It's what you're left with. Some of you think that when God sees you, this is what he sees. You come here and you think, I kind of want to worship. I kind of want to sing songs to him. But there's these things in the back of my mind. There's these kind of things that I know I've done and I've been living with. And I just feel like I can't come before him. And you stand there and look at this. It's messy. It's heavy to wear it, to carry it around. It feels nasty. I wouldn't want to put it on. But some of you are walking around in it. But do you know what it says when Jesus endured the cross? It says he took it. He says, you know what I do? I'm going to take all of your shame, all those things that you feel about yourself, all those things you've done and will do, all of it. I'm going to take it. I'm going to go to the cross. And Jesus knew what he was doing. In fact, he knew to the point where he declared with his dying breaths, with his very last breaths, as he hung there naked and he felt all this shame that was coming at him. He said, you know what? I'm going to take it and I'm going to declare as I die on the cross, it is finished. That's what he does.
when Jesus looks at you, this is what he sees. He sees you as pure and spotless right before him. You know, the Bible says that sin has left a crimson stain, but you washed it white as snow. That's what it says. Been washed white as snow. When God looks at you, this is what he sees. The Bible says, those of you that put your trust in Jesus, you can never be put to shame. Never. No matter what you've done or will do, you can never be put to shame. So when you come here, it doesn't matter what your last year's been like. Because in fact, what Jesus does is he comes and he says, you know what? Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to clothe you in my robe of righteousness. That's what he does. It's called a robe of righteousness. The thing that Jesus carried, his, he was the perfecter. His perfection and his beauty and his majesty he says, you know what? I'm going to clothe you with it. And so he puts this robe on your back. And he says, you are my son. You are my daughter. I love you. I don't just want you to come and stand before me. I want to embrace you. That's what he does. That's what he does in that moment. Some of you think, ah, oh, the last year, it doesn't matter. Some of you think the things that you've done have stopped you from being able to look the God, the Father in the eye. You think, I've got to keep my head low. It's not what happens. He says, no, come to me. I will embrace you. Those are your weights, those things. He says, you know what? Cut them off. They're gone. God says, listen, I saw what you did. I know all about you. I conceived you in your mother's room. I know everything about you and all that you've done. Come to me still. Come to me still. This is how I see you. My son, my daughters, how I see you. I'm your heavenly father and I love you. Confess of it. Repent of it. You might want to own it, but he's dealt with it. But don't live in it. Don't live in it. Because it's been dealt with, friends. It's been done. Do you know what happened? Jesus, the most honorable person, the most honorable person, Jesus, became the most shameful. So that us, the most shameful, can become the most honorable You and I are now seated in a place of honor. And it's nothing to do with us. It's all to do with Jesus, his mercy, his act. All we do is we come and we repent of our sin. We confess how worthless and shameful we are. And we say, God, thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for what he done on the cross. I want to live for you. And it's removed. In fact, the Bible says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he's removed it from you. As far as the yeast is from the west, it's gone. It's been dealt with even your most shameful sins. And so to close, I want to say this. Jesus, on his road to the cross, right, he's going to the cross. Do you know what the verse says? He says he knew he would take our shame, but do you know why he could do it? He says because the joy that was set before him. There was joy before him as he did, he wasn't bullied into it. They didn't force him or manipulate him to do that. He chose to do it. You've got to understand that. He chose to do it because he knew that he would defeat it all. So he did it with joy before him. That was his strength. And do you know what this evening? You might not believe it, but you need to know it. You are that joy. You personally, individually, you are that joy that was set before him. As he goes to that cross, he thought of you. You are that joy. 
You know what? That's why he did it. So why did he do it? He did it for love, for the joy that was before him. Because this is something we have to know. We have to keep our eyes on him. If you want to live this life, you've got to keep your eyes fixed on him. Because sin and shame and guilt, and it has no power over us anymore. Never. It's not an excuse to start doing whatever we like. That's all right, I can just do whatever I like. And that's not what it is. We've been set free from it. We leave it behind. So you know what? He's dealt with it. I'm done. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to walk in that anymore. I want to run a race that is pleasing to God. So every step that I take, every area of my life, everything I do, I'm going to do it in a way that is pleasing to God because he's done all of this for me. And so we give our lives to him. We say, Jesus, I'm going to mess up sometimes. Sometimes I ain't going to get it right. But I know that it's not going to hold me or drag me back because you've dealt with it anyway. And I'm going to keep running after you. And every day I'm going to cut the weights off. Every day I'm going to cut off the sin. Every day I'm going to do it to chase after you. So we keep our eyes on him. Because you know how the verse ends? Hebrews 12, verse 2. Because the story didn't finish on the cross. 